Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh, oh the horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can go to our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com. You can check out our back catalog, seasons one, two, catch up on season three. You can go... Um, Connect to your favorite podcast platform, yep. Amazon, Apple, Spotify, all of them. Yeah. We are all over the place. Even if you're in India, we got you clocked. That's, we got uh, you. Yeah. And um, also, if you want to com- uh, connect to your favorite social media, you know, or our social media um, presence, mm-hmm. you know, you got our Facebook group there, uh, Instagram page. And uh, you can go, I can say this now, you can go to our YouTube channel. And there is one video there. One. <laughs> one yeah. whole video. Ah, 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 yep. ah. If you're new or uh, just haven't been uh, kind of listening lately and say you uh, slid back uh, into the oh, the horror thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did our Halloween hot sauce challenge yep. on our YouTube channel. And the best way to find that is to go through ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Yep. On the upper right hand side of the page, you'll see our social media presences and our YouTube channels there. And, uh, yeah, we're definitely looking to next year. I think, you know, we're feeling pretty confident of how it's set up and how things work. So we're uh, definitely looking at probably monthly kind of bonus stuff uh, on the video end. But if you think I'm ever going to eat the bomb again. Oh, yeah. You are sadly mistaken. So <laughs> yeah, so we did ten chicken nuggies, yes. and the last five you were. Uh, I was all. It was I the last three. I didn't like the the jerk one. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was warm, and then the one leading up to the bomb was it was okay. Yeah, but the bomb. Yeah, was horrible. The train went off the track. So yeah, yeah, and that. Watermelon ghost? Is that what it was? That was wicked hot. It was wicked hot, but like, yeah. See, we can talk about it it now because when we did jack o' lanterns, it still it was coming out at the same time, so we couldn't really talk about it much. Yeah, that jack o' lantern was hot. The white ghost or the watermelon ghost? You said the the jack jack o' lantern. Yeah, the jack o' lanterns are cold. They're outside. That's because I'm an idiot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the watermelon ghost was. I remember Hugh and I looked at each other, and we were like, my gums hurt. My gums burn. Yeah. I've never had anything hot that made my gums burn. For me, know? it was right above, like, my canine. Mm-hmm. I got the bomb up there, <laughs> and I in the video, you can see me swishing with milk because yeah. I'm trying to, to like, yep. put the fire out. And turns out it's, like, super sensitive up there. Mm-hmm. So... My teeth started to hurt from the pain in my gums. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. But, you know, took I, uh, some took some Pepto to put the fire out in mm-hmm. my in my stomach. And honestly, I think I did uh, okay. I was exceptionally proud how I made it through there. I didn't drink anything. No. During during yep. the actual episode. Yeah. Um, I had two glasses of milk after, mm-hmm. and that kind of, like, tempered down the watermelon ghost yeah. a bit. Uh, then I had the Pepto before I went to bed. 
but the next day was pretty rocky. Yeah. It's uh I will say I'm I'm glad I drank as much milk as I did. Most of it was to try and mm-hmm. and just temper the heat in my gums because it was super painful. Yeah. My tongue was fine. Like it didn't go numb. It didn't it didn't hurt, but like the heat from some of those did go through the roof of my mouth. My well, and the glasses tough part started was to fog up. There was that whole cumulative process of yeah. it. You know, because like so it's building. Yeah, because later building. on I was like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna start from the bottom again, but mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna have this sauce with my eggs. Right. I'm gonna have this sauce with yeah. something else and you know, like have them individually on a separate day, mm-hmm. you know, and and see what they're like. And and so far it's been a pretty good process. Right. I'm not through all of them yet. Right. Um and I am pleased to announce I was right. The chocolate ghost pepper <sighs> goes amazingly with yeah, we did that. beef. Pot roast boy. Oh. 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 Off the chain on yeah. that. I, I'm going to go through all of them, but I'm going to say without a shadow of a doubt. That's my favorite. The chocolate ghost. Right? Yeah. Was it chocolate ghost? Pretty and sure. And then the, the Los Calientos. Those are about my two favorites, but it also depends on what you're having. Yeah. You know, the lemon pepper stuff is good with like a, a taco or like breakfast. Yeah. You know, if you're looking for something it, a little peppery. Lemon pepper goes great with mm-hmm. like shrimp, yeah. chicken. Yeah. Well, I had it with shrimp that one yeah. night. Yeah. It was good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good experience. It was. It I was. Think Our I, refrigerator makes us look like we're hot sauce aficionados. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like on a huge level, because I we had the I testing sauces before. <laughs> we did. Yeah, yeah, so we literally have I think like twenty bottles of hot sauce. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but we'll use them. Yeah. You know, I I would do it again, mm-hmm. just not soon. Yeah. But yeah. I I would do it again. I have I have no desire to do the bomb again. Or no. If I do, no. I uh I would prepare better. The thing with the bomb was it's a two-stage thing for me, it was. I've talked to other people that have had it, mm-hmm. and they're just like, yeah, the heat was crazy on that, right? And I was like, actually, the taste got me first. I think if you have, like, because some people don't have, uh, like, a really kind of complex palate for taste. Yeah. I think I'm somewhere in there. Yeah. And for me, the taste was so offensive that I didn't even think about the heat. Right. Like, I was just like, oh, my God. I'm like, that just tastes terrible. I, I remember. But then after, I realized, because I remember, like, the heat, like, like going down my throat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you could the feel saliva and all that. Yep. I could feel it traveling down my throat. And then that's when I realized, like, like a minute or so after, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is hot. Yeah. You know, but it took a long time to get over the taste of it. I remember eating it and I couldn't even quantify the taste. Yeah. I'm like, I've literally had nothing like this. This is gross. It's chemical. It, it had a real chemical it, taste. It was to definitely it. chemically. Yeah. Um, and it was just like it was just like hot to be hot. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. there wasn't a profile. Yeah. And a lot of them, because like, even the watermelon ghost, to it. the yeah. watermelon ghost, as hot as that was, had a profile to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really did. That's why I want to try that on its own at some yes. point. But the tough part is, it's like it's so hot. Well, here's the thing: it's so hot, but like we crept up to that. 
with yeah, eight different it. eight yeah. different sauces to just go and start right at that one. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. I'm yeah. gonna do it on like a Friday. We'll report back. You know, we're <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? I'll do it Thursday before Veterans Day because I have Veterans Day off. That gives me a good yeah. You got three to, whole days. It gives to, me a good to time to have my, my grounding there, and uh, I don't have a whole lot of obligations. Knock yeah. on wood yep. that weekend. But all right, enough of that. Yes. Because here we are. Well, actually, one more thing. Hmm. We had a wonderful Halloween. We did. We had an incredible Halloween. We did, as always. But we had the f- some. We had a, a good chunk of the family over. Yep. And uh, we went trick or treating. And well, uh, we didn't. They did. Well, yeah, yeah, we gave out candy. Yes, we but, did. But uh, a lot of trick or treaters. So many trick or treaters for a week. Uh, for a weekday. It was and if definitely... you were keeping score, we only had a couple Barbies, but we had so many Ninja Turtles. A lot of Ninja Turtles. So many Ninja yeah. Turtles. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of Mario's. No Luigi's. No Luigi's. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was, yep, definitely. Yeah. There was a lot of Mario's. There was a lot of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. One Barbie. Yep. Couple. Yeah. But what I like about here is there's a lot of creative costumes. Yeah. There's a lot of people you know, that just go their own come way. Come up with something. Yeah. They just go their own way. You know, they're like, and, I got to go trick or treat and I got to yeah. put something on. No, but it's not like cheaply, quickly no. done either. No. There's thought behind it. Yeah. That's what I love yep. about like our area through mm-hmm. here. Definitely. And a lot of teenagers. Yeah. Keep it coming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know? I would much rather you come to my yeah. house and get a candy bar yeah. than, I don't yeah. know. Get somebody pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> go out and get yourselves in trouble. Yeah. No, it was a great Halloween. We hope it, it was, was uh, great for you. Mm-hmm. And um, we definitely uh, just, you know, thanks for listening through us uh, in the Halloween stretch there. We had some nice analytics yep. for uh, Halloween. So, you know, it's um, definitely just nice. It's nice to see uh, everybody getting into it. I remember you know? seeing a post and it was with the potato because oh, there's yeah. it's it's been for a couple of years now yeah. where they give the option of you can either get candy or you can have a potato yeah and how a lot of kids choose the potato sure well in one of them they were showing their candy and it was almond joy and mounds and they were like we gave away all potatoes and i was like because none of the kids want those candies Mm -hmm. like that's the last candy they're they're gonna choose yeah and they're like well at least with a potato we can do something with it it's potato chips (laughs) french fries yeah (laughs) Turn it into a bowl, you know, whatever. Sure, sure. You know, you can yeah. do something with the potato. I'm sure there's people listening now. Like, you can smoke weed out of a potato. It's like, yeah, just like soda an, can, just like an apple or a soda can. Yep. The uh, <laughs> one cool idea we came up with, and the family members can hear this uh, if they're listening. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we noticed the complete lack of pillowcases. Yeah. That were around to get candy. And yeah. we were like, you know. Kids. You're missing out on a great opportunity. It's strong. It carries a lot of candy. So many of those little of space, pumpkins. Little pumpkins. Well, for the little kids, I guess. And I get that. Know. But the whole point of the pillowcase is you empty out your pumpkin yeah. into your pillowcase and you can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. So for the fam, Jen and I decided uh, in our easy up. Yes. Dishing uh, candy out to everybody. 
that we're going to make Halloween themed pillowcases for, for the, the kids. kids. Yeah. So don't worry about that. We got that covered. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to hit Joanne's, get some fabric. Yeah. Yeah. Get our, Definitely. Get our sewing skills up to snuff. Oh, I can do those. For no problem. For a pillowcase, we'll crank yeah. those out like nobody's Just business. don't ask me to make clothing because yeah. I'll be like, oh. <laughs> Four. That's a. Uh, Season three, episode 150. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Stanford, this is a good one for Stanford, 150. Yeah, Stanford Prison Experiment. It's funny because there's a tagline that this experiment shows mm-hmm. how ordinary college students could do terrible things. <laughs> and I want to preface, preface this by saying people. People do terrible yeah, things. Yeah, you know, the thing is, though, When left is, to their own devices... Universities really have a, uh, a groupthink problem. They, they really, really do. do. They you know, do. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know, and we'll get into this uh, we will. A, a bit later, but this, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny who you talk to about this experiment, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it really tells a lot about someone yes. on their reaction to this type of experiment mm-hmm. when they think they know about it. Right. So that's what I loved about doing this is, A, people that aren't familiar with it at all can learn about it. Right. But I was hoping we could also get the record straight <laughs> on the experiment itself because scientifically, you know, we'll get there. But, we will. Uh, so what do you have for sources? On I have two one? sources. Yeah. Exhibits.stanford.edu mm-hmm. and simplypsychology.org, which is where the guy who did the yeah. experiment published it. Yeah, so I knew you had those. Mm-hmm. Um so I went to verywellmind.com, apa.org and uh prisonexp.org. Okay. Um and that kind of uh I knew we'd offset ourselves. Uh, so with Stanford that. But I know quite a bit about this just off the cuff. Actually so. took a lot of things from this experiment and they have turned it into an exhibit mm-hmm. at Stanford and you can go and you can view Images, audiovisual recordings, yeah. and they say some viewers may find this content disturbing. <clears throat> and it was the experiment was carried out August 15th through the 21st in 1971 in the basement of Jordan Hall. And this experiment was set out to examine the psychological effects of authority and powerlessness. In a prison-type environment. Prison prison atmosphere, yeah. The study, led by psychology professor Philip G. Zimbardo, recruited Stanford students using a local newspaper ad. 24 students were carefully screened and randomly assigned into groups of prisoners and guards. And the experiment was scheduled to last one to two weeks. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it had to be terminated on only the sixth day as the experiment escalated out of the hand out of hand when the prisoners were forced to endure cruel and dehumanizing abuse at the hands of their peers. And the experiment showed in Dr. Zimbardo's words how ordinary college students could do terrible things. But what it shows is that people can mm-hmm. do terrible things, that it doesn't necessarily have to be something yeah. horrible within the person. So that, if, that if we you're have familiar potential. with this experiment and you're losing your mind right now hearing what you just heard because you've heard another part of that side of this experiment, we'll cover that later. Yeah. So don't don't feel like this is going on just one track here. We're covering 
a lot of tracks because a lot went wrong with this experiment. It did. And the whole reason he decided to do this experiment was because he and his colleagues were interested in finding out whether the brutality reported among guards in American prisons was due to the sadistic personality of the guards. Yeah. I.e. dispositional or if it had more to do with the prison environment, like situational. So, for example, prisoners and guards may have personalities that make conflict inevitable, with prisoners lacking respect for law and order and guards being domineering and or aggressive. Sure. Alternatively, prisoners and guards may behave in a hostile manner due to the rigid power structure of the environment Mm -hmm. in prisons. Zimbardo predicted the situation made people act the way they do rather than their disposition, their personality. They were he was convinced that it was the situation that they were in. Just being in this prison environment is what yeah. makes it brutal. Yeah. And to study people's roles in prison situations, Zimbardo converted a basement of the Stanford University Psychology Building into a mock prison. He advertised asking for volunteers to participate in a study of the psychological effects of prison life. The 75 applicants who answered the ad were given diagnostic interviews and personality tests to eliminate candidates with psychological problems, medical disabilities, or a history of crime or drug abuse. Mm -hmm. 24 men judged to be the most physically and mentally stable, the most mature, and the least involved in antisocial behaviors were chosen to participate. The participants did not know each other prior to the study and were paid $15 per day to take part in the experiment. Participants were randomly assigned to either the role of prisoner or guard in this simulated prison environment. There were two reserves and one dropped out, finally leaving 10 prisoners and 11 guards. Prisoners were treated like every other criminal, being arrested at their own homes without warning and taken to the local police station. They were fingerprinted, photographed, and booked. Then they were blindfolded and driven to the psychology department of Stanford University, where Zimbardo had had the basement set out as a prison with barred doors and windows, bare walls, and small cells. Here, the de-individualization or individuation process began. Mm -hmm. So this starts to break the prisoners down. Yeah. When the prisoners arrived at the prison, they were stripped naked, mm-hmm. deloused, had all their personal possessions removed and locked away, and they were given prison clothes and bedding. So here's here's a quick point to jump in, you know, before even butchering around things. This is something that happens at every prison. Correct. So this isn't unique. No. This isn't no. anything like That's that. That's why you know. he did this. Yeah. Yeah. And... They were issued a uniform and referred to by their number only. The use of ID numbers was a way to make prisoners feel anonymous. Mm-hmm. Each prisoner had to be called only by his ID number and could only refer to himself and the other prisoners by number. And if I'm not mistaken, at least at this time, prisoners were assigned numbers. Mm-hmm. In, um, no, in they prisons. were then. And there's a reason why they're assigned numbers. There's the bookkeeping part of it that's right. easier. Yes. But also there's a social component onto this mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't really understand. In normal prisons, you got a lot of unhinged people here. So right. like in this experiment, these people weren't quote unquote unhinged. Right. Had uh, you know, kind of psychological issues and things like right. that. 
they portioned all that stuff out to try to have a good control group here. Right. But you get people that are unhinged looking for a fight at any given time or whatever. Yeah. And this is a problem that you can avoid to some extent by giving somebody a number. Right. If you have a name that's hard to pronounce and I keep fucking your name up as a guard. Yeah. As a prisoner, you're going to be like, dude, you really can't just understand my fucking name. Yeah. You know, what do you have against me? Do you have a problem with me? Yeah. And you see how quick that escalates right yeah. away? But if you're a prisoner 4622932, yeah. That takes that all out of context. Right. You know, but that also, takes it all out of there. It puts everyone on the same field. No one is elevated. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a number. Everybody's Exactly. You know. Everybody's in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Their clothes comprised a smock with their number written on it, mm-hmm. but no underclothes. They also had a tight nylon cap to cover their hair mm-hmm. and a locked chain around one ankle. All guards were dressed in identical identical uniforms of khaki, and they carried a whistle around their neck and a billy club borrowed from the police. Guards also wore special sunglasses to make eye contact with prisoners impossible. Three guards worked shifts of eight hours each. The other guards remained on call. Guards were instructed to do whatever they thought was necessary to maintain law and order in the prison and to command the respect of the prisoners. Without physically No physical them. violence yeah. was permitted. However, this is where the whole thing starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Actually, it falls apart in the ad. Yes. So we might as well walk side to side with this. So where they screwed up with this experiment, because this basically is a textbook example. Now, you talk to people at Stanford and other doctors. This is a crazy part. Even to this day, 40 or 50 years later, they think this was a great experiment, which is crazy. And I'll tell you exactly where it's crazy. The ad. The ad was male college students needed for psychological study of prison life. Mm-hmm. They ruined the they ruined the whole test right yeah. there by telling them about prison life. Because what happens is you already have a construct of what prison life is. Correct. The whole point of the study, you pull yourself back ten thousand feet. Yes. Is what is the relationship between someone that's in charge and someone that's not in charge? Right. That was the whole point of the study, yes. and they say that themselves. Yes. That was the whole point of it. Yep. But the moment you say prison. In prison life, yes, you've already built this construct into your head and you've contaminated the whole study. Correct. You know, and so what would have been more admirable is if they just said needing to do a psychological study. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, you know, full stop. Yep. And then go over there. And then during the recruitment, all that, we're going to say, look, you know, you're going to get charged for a crime. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the the prisoner. You're going to get charged for a crime. We're going to arrest you at your house. Right. And we're going to go from there. This study goes for two weeks. Right. That's it. Yeah. You know, and then the the guards, they would say, look, you're going to have someone that gets arrested mm-hmm. and come into this space that you have. Right. And then that's it. So the real the, the other part where they really screwed up is telling the guards that they can reprimand them, they can do all this stuff. So they already built all these rules in, yep. and there was no rules to see what they would do. Right. They told them what to do. Yeah, because, they did. Because here's the thing. There are prisons mm-hmm. that run on a total different model. Iceland's one of them. Mm-hmm. Iceland is probably one of the most interesting topics. Like, if you're into prisons, mm-hmm. 
and you're into the whole psychology, the psychology of, of it, it and all yeah. that stuff, I really highly recommend you look into Iceland's prisons. They're amazing. There's mm-hmm. no weapons in there. Mm-hmm. They have their own apartments mm-hmm. and they're like, they've got everything. They've got like all of this stuff they've got. It's like a real apartment. Right. And they treat them like real people. But what they did is they took the whole like prison part out of it. Right. Now, granted, they still have a hard time with people that are like hard time offenders. Right. And all that other stuff. But the part that this test failed on was saying, how would a guard confront a prisoner and how would a prisoner confront a guard if you took the whole prison construct out of the Mm -hmm. story? And that's where the Stanford group blew it here yeah because they just said the word prison yeah you know and then immediately it was skewed from the start yeah if i say the word prison you already got it in your head it's like okay cold bars room guards they can get physical they can beat you up prisoners they can form a riot they can blah 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 and you've built this whole thing and it's contaminated everything so zimbardo observed the behavior of the prisoners and guards as a researcher, and also acted as the prison warden. Mm-hmm. Within a very short time, both guards and prisoners were settling into their new roles with the guards adopting theirs quickly and easily asserting authority. Yeah. Within hours of beginning the experiment, some guards began to harass prisoners. At 2.30 a.m., prisoners were awakened from sleep by blasting whistles for the first of many quote-unquote counts. The counts served as a way to familiarize the prisoners with their numbers. More importantly, I mean, they are wearing it on their chest, so whatever. More importantly, they provided a regular occasion for the guards to exercise their control over the prisoners. The prisoners soon adopted prisoner-like behavior. They talked about prison issues a great deal of the time. They told tales on each other to the guards, so they were narking. Mm Mm-hmm. They started taking the prison rules very seriously as though they were there for the prisoner's benefit and infringement would spell disaster for all of them. Some even began siding with the guards against prisoners who did not obey the rules. The prisoners were taunted with insults and petty orders. They were given pointless and boring tasks to accomplish, and they were generally dehumanized. Push-ups were a common form of physical punishment imposed by the guards. One of the guards stepped on the prisoners' backs while they did push-ups or made other prisoners sit on the backs of fellow prisoners doing their Mm push-ups. Because the first day passed without incident, the guards were surprised and totally unprepared for the rebellion which broke out on the morning of the second day. During Think about that just for a moment. Like how out of control this experiment gets. Where they didn't even on day two, two, you have a riot of a fake prison experiment Mm -hmm. that you know is going to end in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is just like uh, it's the shittiest science, like next to environmentalism. I mean, it just it's it's literally the shittiest science. And like I said, there's people that look into this and they're like, oh, this is a great study. It's like, what are you on? fucking crack it's yeah. like no it's not it's so, terrible during the second day of the experiment <laughs> second day the prisoners removed their stocking caps yeah. ripped off their numbers and barricaded themselves inside their cells by putting their beds against the door the guards called in reinforcements three guards who were waiting on standby duty came in and the night shift guards voluntarily remained on duty The guards retaliated by using a fire extinguisher, which shot a stream of skin-chilling carbon dioxide 
and they forced the prisoners away from the doors. Next, the guards broke into each cell, stripped the prisoners naked, and took the beds out. The ringleaders of the prison rebellion were placed into solitary confinement. After this, the guards generally began to harass and intimidate the prisoners. One of the three cells was designated as a privileged cell. The three prisoners least involved in the rebellion were given special privileges. But even that, just to reinforce that point, the reason the guards are asking this is because the people conducting the experiment told them to do that. Contaminated the whole entire Mm -hmm. exercise. Yep. Yeah. The guards gave back gave them back their uniforms mm-hmm. and their beds and allowed them to wash their hair and brush their teeth. Privileged prisoners also got to eat special food in the presence of the other prisoners who had temporarily lost the privilege of eating. The effect was to break the solidarity among the prisoners. Yeah. Over the next few days, the relationships between the guards and the prisoners changed, with a change in one leading to a change in the other. Remember that the guards were firmly in control and the prisoners were totally dependent on them. As the prisoners became more dependent, the guards became more derisive toward them. They held the prisoners in contempt and let the prisoners know it. As the guards' contempt for them grew, the prisoners became more submissive. As the prisoners became more submissive, the guards became more aggressive and assertive. They demanded even greater obedience from the prisoners, and the prisoners were dependent on the guards for everything. So they tried to find ways to please the guards, such as telling tales on each other. So again, narking. narking, yeah. Less than 36 hours into the experiment, prisoner number 8612 began suffering from acute emotional disturbance, disorganized thinking, uncontrollable crying, and rage. After a meeting with the guards where they told him he was weak, but offered him informant status, number 8612 returned to the other prisoners and said, you can't leave, you can't quit. Soon, number 8612 began to act crazy, to scream, to curse, to get into a rage that seemed out of control. It wasn't until this point that the psychologists realized they had to let him out. Here's here's a backstory on that. So they there's also talk and it's from that prisoner that came out that said they just tried to get out to work on a term paper Mm -hmm. um, because they were told that they could work on their stuff in conjunction with all that and that wasn't part of the the thing and then they say later that that wasn't true so it's back and forth I mean like this spun out of control so much it did you know I mean just from trying to conduct a controlled experiment like, this went way off the rails. It went off the rails from the start. Like I said, from yeah. the start, they had contaminated, you know, a contaminated ad. Yes. They had contaminated instructions. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's literally a clinic on how not to do a scientific experiment. <laughs> the next day, the guards held a visiting hour for parents and friends. They were worried that when the parents saw the state of the jail, they might insist on taking their sons home. Guards washed the prisoners had them clean and polish their cells, fed them a big dinner, and played music on the intercom. So they put on a big show. Yeah, and this was like three days, which is just nuts. After the visit, rumors sped of a mass escape plan. Afraid that they would lose the prisoners, the guards and experimenters tried to enlist help in facilities of the Palo Alto Police Department. 
the guards again escalated the level of harassment, forcing them to do menial, repetitive work such as cleaning toilets with their bare hands. Zimbardo invited a Catholic priest who had been a prison chaplain to evaluate how realistic their prison situation was. Half of the prisoners introduced themselves by their number rather than name. Mm -hmm. The chaplain interviewed each person individually, and the priest told them the only way they would get out was with the help of a lawyer. A lawyer, yeah. Prisoner number 819. Eventually, while talking to the priest, number 819 broke down and began to cry hysterically, just like two previously released prisoners had. The psychologist removed the chain from his foot, the cap off his head, and told him to go and rest in a room that was adjacent to the prison yard. They told him they would get him some food and then take him to see a doctor. While this was going on, one of the guards lined up the other prisoners and had them chant aloud, Prisoner number 819 is a bad prisoner. Because of what prisoner number 819 did, my cell is a mess. Mr. Correctional Officer. The psychologist realized number 819 could hear the chanting and went back into the room where they found him sobbing uncontrollably. The psychologist tried to get him to agree to leave the experiment, but he said he could not leave because the others had labeled him a bad prisoner. At this point, Zimbardo said, listen, you are not number 819. You are, insert his name, and my name is Dr. Zimbardo. I am a psychologist, not a prison superintendent, and this is not a real prison. This is just an experiment. Those are students, not prisoners, just like you. Let's go. He stopped crying suddenly, looked up and replied, okay, let's go, as if nothing had been wrong. Mm -hmm. Zimbardo had intended that the experiment should run for two weeks, but on the sixth day, it was terminated due to the emotional breakdowns of prisoners and excessive aggression of the guards. Well, and you had uh, all the parents and everybody was getting involved at this point, and it clearly spun out of control, you know. Christina Maslach, a recent Stanford PhD, was brought in to conduct interviews with the guards and prisoners, strongly objected when she saw the prisoners being abused by the guards. Filled with outrage, she said, it's terrible what you are doing to these boys. Out of 50 or more outsiders who had seen our prison, she was the only one who ever questioned its morality. Zimbardo, in 2008, later noted, it wasn't until much later that I realized how far into my prison role I was at that point, that I was thinking like a prison superintendent rather Mm -hmm. than a research psychologist. So even he got consumed by this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This led him to prioritize maintaining the experiment structure over the well-being and ethics involved, thereby highlighting the blurring of roles, and the profound impact of the situation on human behavior. Here's a quote that illustrates how Zimbardo, initially the principal investigator, became deeply immersed in his role as the Stanford prison superintendent. Quote, by the third day when the second prisoner broke down, I had already slipped into or been transformed into the role of Stanford prison superintendent. And in that role, I was no longer the principal investigator worried about ethics. When a prisoner broke down, what was my job? It was to replace him with somebody on our standby list. And that's what I did. There was a weakness in the study and not separating those two roles. I should only have been the principal investigator in charge of two graduate students and one undergraduate. According to Zimbardo, that that was end quote, and his colleagues, the Stanford prison experiment revealed how people will readily conform to the social roles they are expected to play. 
especially if the roles are as strongly stereotyped as those of the prison guards. Because the guards were placed in a position of authority, they began to act in ways they would not usually behave in their normal lives. The prison environment was an important factor in creating the guards' brutal behavior. None of the participants who acted as guards showed sadistic tendencies before the study. Therefore, the findings support the situational explanation of behavior rather than the dispositional one. Zimbardo proposed the two processes can explain the prisoner's, quote, final submission. De-individuation may explain the behavior of the participants, especially the guards. This is a state when you become so immersed in the norms of the group that you lose your sense of identity and personal responsibility. So it's kind of like that cult behavior where you just become one of us, one of us, and you stop thinking for yourself. Well, another thing that's revealed here, um, which is something we haven't really brought up with uh, cults, is what's called the uh, Hawthorne effect. And the Hawthorne effect is basically um, people will act differently if they know they're being observed. Mm -hmm. And this happened a lot in this case here, Mm -hmm. you know, so especially with the guards. You know, the guards knew that they were being observed Mm -hmm. and they also had a set of destructions. Again, this is like the contaminant, just how... The whole thing was flawed. Yeah, the whole thing was contaminated. But but basically, you know, you have this situation where you have guards that say, okay, I've been given uh, these bits of instructions, but also I know I'm being watched. So, you know, basically people are going to be more aggressive when they know a supervisor's looking at them. And you could see this in your job alone, you know, whether it's a, like, you know, a retail situation or in an office or anything like that. Someone's going to have some sort of ethic or work ethic of some kind that's going on when they know it's just them and they're kind of on their own with something. But the moment they know that there's a bit of a spotlight on them, then they change. And the change could be a number of things. They might just work harder. That's, you know, um, you know, or put more effort into it. Or they might get protective and they're trying to protect, you know, their their situation or their status or something. But there is a change in that when there's definitely this um, kind of idea of being watched. And that's what happened with the guards here. Mm-hmm. They knew they were being watched. They had a set of instructions. And like I said, you check it out. It's called the Hawthorne effect. It's it's definitely established. It was back in the 20s when it mm-hmm. started. And that was actually with like an electric company. And they were trying to test like lighting conditions. Like would people work better in like a brighter space or a, a lower light space? And then what happened was, is there was a contamination in that, I think. I don't, I have it right in front of me, but, um, but there was this secondary observance part of this test. Mm-hmm. And that's what really kind of came out of the whole Hawthorne effect uh, experiment. And it's really relevant in this case because it's also with the prisoners too. Not as much as the people that were conducting the experiment were watching them, but as a prisoner, all the other prisoners are watching you. Yeah. So now this is where you get into this whole kind of, um, you know, spot of a um, social pressure, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is with the Milgram uh, experiment and things like that that we've talked about in, in Cult of the Month a lot and a lot of the cults is, you know, you – those studies clearly show, and this one showed too, that participants will conform to social pressures. Yes. You know, and then this conformity is strengthened by allowing some participants to feel more or less powerful than the others. Um, so, you know, in a lot of these experience or experiments like this, people's behaviors are altered to match the group stereotypes, and it shows that we conform to others passively. 
And you saw this all over the place during COVID. Yeah. You saw people conforming to a certain set of ideas, uh, whether it's true, whether it's not. Mm -hmm. It's just to just stay away from the social pressure of things. And people will do things that they normally wouldn't do. You see it all over the place. You see it now without getting too heavy into the conversation here. But even if the subject at hand is like malevolent, you know, and, and really dangerous, if there's a social pressure with that, people will hop into that regardless of how danger, you know, dangerous that that pressure is. I just pulled the check off. Oh, you did? Yep. That's the same spot. Yep. Yeah, we got to stay away from there. So it's it's clear that, you know, there is a desire for people to be just a good subject, mm-hmm. a good friend, mm-hmm. a good employee, um, a, a good person in a group. You know, there is really a desire there. And it's a lot more prevalent than just the subject being good. Mm-hmm. Like everybody wants to think that being good rules all and everybody strives to be good. That's not true. There's a lot of people that just want to be accepted. So this experiment with the Stanford prison experiment is you have these prisoners that are trying to be a good prisoner. You have these uh, guards that are trying to be a good guard. And then they lose sight of the whole entire thing. And again, pulling back from the beginning of this experiment, they screwed up when they called it a prison. It just creates this whole social framework that everybody's going to try to fall in on. Because now you're not even doing what the 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 people that are pushing the experiment on with you, and you're not there to create something yourself and be yourself. You're saying, I'm a prison guard. I'm going to be what I think a prison guard is. And there you have it. The guards may have been so sadistic because they did not feel what happened was down to them personally. It was a group norm. They also may have lost their sense of personal identity because of the uniform they wore. Also, learned helplessness could explain the prisoners' submission to the guards. The prisoners learned that whatever they did had little effect on what happened to them. In the mock prison, the unpredictable decisions of the guards led the prisoners to give up responding. After the prison experiment was terminated, Zimbardo interviewed the participants. Here's an excerpt. Most of the participants said they had felt involved and committed. The research had felt real to them, one guard said. I was surprised at myself. I made them call each other names and clean the toilets out with their bare hands. I practically considered the prisoners cattle, and I kept thinking I had to watch out for them in case they tried something. Another guard said, acting authoritatively can be fun. Power can be a great pleasure. And another During the inspection, I went to cell two to mess up a bed, which a prisoner had just made, and he grabbed me, screaming that he had just made it and that he was not going to let me mess it up. He grabbed me by the throat, and although he was laughing, I was pretty scared. I lashed out with my stick and hit him on the chin, although not very hard, and when I freed myself, I became angry. Most of the guards found it difficult to believe that they had behaved in the brutal ways that they had. Many said they hadn't known this side of them existed or that they were capable of such things. The prisoners, too, couldn't believe that they had responded in the submissive, cowering, dependent way they had. Several claimed to be the assertive types normally. Mm -hmm. When asked about the guards, they described the usual three stereotypes that can be found in any prison. Some guards were good, some were tough but fair, and some were cruel. 
A further explanation for the behavior of the participants can be described in terms of reinforcement. The escalation of aggression and abuse by the guards could be seen as being due to the positive reinforcement they received both from fellow guards and intrinsically in terms of how good it made them feel to have so much power. Yeah. Similarly, the prisoners could have learned through negative reinforcement that if they kept their heads down and did as they were told, they could avoid further unpleasant experiences. So now we get to the critical evaluation. Mm -hmm. The Stanford Prison Experiment is criticized for lacking ecological validity in its attempt to simulate a real prison environment. Specifically, the prison was merely a setup in the basement of the Stanford University's psychology department. The student guards lacked professional training, and the experiment's duration was much shorter than real prison sentences. Furthermore, the participants, who were college students, didn't reflect the diverse backgrounds typically found in actual prisons in terms of ethnicity, education, and socioeconomic status. None had prior prison experience. They were chosen due to to their mental stability and low antisocial tendencies. Additionally, the mock prison lacked spaces for exercise or rehabilitative activities. Demand characteristics could explain the findings of the study. Most of the guards later claimed they were simply acting. Because the guards and prisoners were playing a role, their behavior may not be influenced by the same factors which affect behavior in real life. This means the study's findings cannot be reasonably generalized to real life, such as prison settings, i.e. the study has low ecological validity. However, there is considerable evidence that the participants did react to the situation as though it was real. For example, 90% of the prisoners' private conversations, which were monitored by the researchers, were on the prison conditions, and only 10% of the time were their conversations about life outside of the prison. The guards, too, rarely exchanged personal information during their relaxation breaks. They either talked about uh, problem prisoners, other prison topics, or did not talk at all. The guards were always on time and even worked overtime for no extra pay. When the prisoners were introduced to a priest, they referred to themselves by their prison number rather than their first name. Some even asked him to get a lawyer to help them get out. Fourteen years after his experience as prisoner 8612 in the Stanford Prison Experiment, Douglas Corpy, now a prison psychologist, reflected on his time and stated, The Stanford Prison Experiment was a very benign prison situation and it promotes everything a normal prison promotes. The guard roles promotes sadism. The prisoner role promotes confusion and shame, end quote. The study may also lack population validity. As the sample comprised of U.S. male students, the study's findings cannot be applied to female prisoners or those from other countries. For example, America is an individualist culture where people are generally less conforming. Different culture. You know, I mean, it's it's a really, really tough. That's moving. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's 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 a tough experiment to do in that regard. It yeah. really truly is. The results and, may be different in And like I said, cultures. the way they went about it from the start was not I mean, if they wanted to prove, which again, I think is just kind of stupid that you know, you create a prison like thing and let people know that they're in a pre- prison and give them the roles of prison. Yeah, all right, they're going to do what is being done. You know, I mean that there's no mystery there. But the fact that I think where they where they messed up the most on it was just 
creating that construct. Right. You know, like if they just created like a separate building mm-hmm. and didn't have like the prison cells, it just had like rooms, but they're like, look, you committed a crime. You, um, you know, you folks are in charge, you know, to see how things are going to go. And then, and again, like they really ruined it in the beginning where they said, you can do anything to keep them in order except physically hurting them. Right. You know, like if they just even stopped that single sentence right there and just said, we're going to leave it to your creative ability as a group of people mm-hmm. to see if you can just keep the peace here. Right. You know, something to that extent. And then I think that would have been a more accurate type of situation where would the guards have gotten in a role that they got to, you know, and would the prisoners have got themselves in a role or would it have been a more personal experience? And like I said, there's prisons out here now, not here in the States. I Maybe there are. I'm not a full expert on it. But like I said, the one in Iceland is like a really great example of where it's literally unlike any other prison in the world. Mm-hmm. And they have this, uh, you know, the prisoners there have a ton of freedom. And these are people that have committed murder. Mm-hmm. These are people that are repeat offenders. But there's this piece in there and, you know, there's no weapons. There's no, you know, anything. And like I said, the prisoners have a lot of freedom. They're, you know, they have jobs and things like that. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, but... I think what is revealing and building that construct up is the fact that you even had people that were quote unquote stable, not Mm -hmm. criminals, and they fulfilled these roles. And I think it does show to an extent, like if you do create this construct, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how nice you are. That I'll, I'll agree with the experiment on that regard. If you create a prison construct and prison life, and you have the guards with this specific set of instructions and you have the prisoners with this specific set of instructions, you're going to get this type of cake every time, Mm -hmm. you know, or pretty damn close. So a strength of the study is that it has altered the way U.S. prisons are run. For example, juveniles accused of federal crimes are no longer Mm -hmm. housed before trial with adult prisoners due to the risk of violence against them. Another strength of the study is that the harmful treatment of participants led to the formal recognition of ethical guidelines by the American Psychological Association. Studies must now undergo an extensive review by an institutional review board or ethics committee before they are implemented. A review of research plans by a panel is required by most institutions, such as universities, hospitals, and government agencies. These boards review whether the potential benefits of the research are justifiable in the light of the possible risk of physical or psychological harm. These boards may request researchers make changes to the study's design or procedure and and in extreme cases deny approval of the study altogether. The study has received many ethical criticisms, including lack of fully informed consent by participants, as Zimbardo himself did not know what would happen in the experiment. Also, the prisoners did not consent to being arrested at home. The prisoners were not told partly because final approval from the police wasn't given until minutes before the participants decided to participate, and partly because the researchers wanted the arrest to come as a surprise. However, this was a breach of the ethics of Zimbardo's own contract that all of the participants had signed. Participants playing the role of prisoners were not protected from psychological harm, experiencing incidences of humiliation and distress. For example, one prisoner had to be released after 36 hours because of uncontrollable bursts of screaming, crying, and anger. 
Here's a quote from Philip G. Zimbardo, taken from an interview on the Stanford Prison Experiment's 40th anniversary, April 19th of 2011. Quote, in the Stanford prison study, people were stressed day and night for five days, 24 hours a day. There's no question that it was a high level of stress because five of the boys had emotional breakdowns, the first within 36 hours. Other boys that didn't have emotional breakdowns were blindly obedient to corrupt authority by the guards and did terrible things to each other. And so it is no question that that was unethical. You can't do research where you allow people to suffer at that level. I know. <laughs> After the first one broke down, we didn't believe it. We thought he was faking. There was actually a rumor he was faking to get out. He was going to bring his friends in to liberate the prison and or we believed our screening procedure was inadequate. We believed that we had some mental defect that slipped into or had been transformed. Oh, I'm sorry. That they did not pick up. At that point, by the third day when the second prisoner broke down, they had already slipped into or been transformed into the role of the Stanford prison superintendent. And in that role, I was no longer the principal investigator worried about ethics, end quote. However, in Zimbardo's defense, the emotional distress experienced by the prisoners could not have been predicted from the outset. Approval for the study was given by the Office of Naval Research, the Psychology Department, and the University Committee of Human Experimentation, which the fact you have a committee for human experimentation is, I guess, saying enough in and of itself. This committee mm. also did not anticipate the prisoners' extremes, extreme reactions that were to follow. I mean, I can't kind of think it's implied. Alternative methodologies were looked at that would cause less distress to the participants, but at the same time, give the desired information, but nothing suitable could be found. Although guards were explicitly instructed not to physically harm prisoners at the beginning of the Stanford pr uh, prison experiment, they were allowed to induce feelings of boredom, frustration, arbitrariness, and powerlessness among the inmates. This created a pervasive atmosphere where prisoners genuinely believed and even reinforced among each other that they couldn't leave the experiment until their sentence was completed, mirroring the inescapability of a real prison. Mm -hmm. Even though two participants, 8612 and 819, were released early, the impact of the environment was so profound that prisoner 416, reflecting on the experience two months later, described it as a prison run by psychologists rather than by the state. <laughs> Extensive group and individual debriefing sessions were held. All participants returned post-experimental questionnaires. Um, several weeks and several months later, and then at yearly intervals. Zimbardo concluded there were no lasting negative effects. That's if they were telling the truth on their form. Zimbardo uh, also I strongly argues I... that the benefits gained from our understanding of human behavior and how we can improve society should outbalance the distress caused by the study. However, it has been suggested that the U.S. Navy was not so much interested in making prisons more human and were, in fact, more interested in using the study to train people in the armed services to cope with the stresses of captivity. It's possible, yeah. And that's all she wrote. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a weird, it's a weird experiment. It's I mean, not great. You know, I think... <laughs> You know, the older I get, the more I look at the whole psychology industry as just pointless. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, just, I just pointless. Um, and 
I know there's probably someone in their teens or twenties that would strongly disagree with me. Um, and in that mind frame and extent, I would agree with them. Um, but after you clock a few decades in your life, you realize that, yeah, this stuff just doesn't change. They, Mm-mm. if you look at all the mental institutions in the seventies and eighties, where the, the, the psychoanalysts had free reign yeah. to go and look at the just destruction yeah. that they did through there. Um, and of course, a set of rules now is in place for them not to be like that, do that, you know. But in my opinion, I think they're doing that anyways. They're just doing it in different areas, yeah. you know, whatever they can get away with legally, whether that's drug test trials or, or things to that extent. Um, and I look at stuff like this and it's like, yeah, all right, congratulations. You identified that prisons are rough. Yeah. We already knew that. Yeah, we already knew that. We you didn't know. need your experience. And there are some places that do it well. And like yeah. I mentioned the Iceland thing, yeah. but Iceland has a different culture than, Correct. say, yeah. the United States. And even the United States, you got to throw. You can't just say the United States because you've got California. You've yeah. got you've got West, South, North, East, Midwest. It's all different, you know. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting, but nonetheless uh, messed up. <laughs> so next week. Yes. We are talking about the buried school bus in Shoshella. Yeah. A kidnapping. And ransom. And ransom. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't heard about that, Buckle you will up. You will next week. You sure will. You know, so um, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to talking about that and discussing. And uh, again, thank you so much for, uh, you know, just staying through with us as always. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we hope you had a just awesome Halloween and we hope you're uh, getting reeled up for uh, the fall and winter Mm -hmm. season and uh, with that being said rule number one no Ouija boards number two no dolls three no capes four no blood rituals no number five no cults satanic or otherwise no number six no apathy you need to act to help enact a positive change in this world number seven don't engage with black eyed people or animals yeah black eyed things yeah. <laughs> Last but not least. Just listen. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you have an amazing day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care.